Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp. Today's show, will be previewing the Florida football game against Kentucky this weekend, which is up in Lexington, the first true road game for the Gators. But it'll be just me today. Uh, my co-host, Blake Alderman, his daughter, unfortunately, is not feeling well, didn't go to school today. So he's home with her, taking care of her. We certainly wish, wish both of them the best going forward. Hope they can get on their feet very quickly. But for today's episode of the podcast, it'll be just me. Uh, I've spent a little bit of time over the last two days going back through some Kentucky games to kind of see what the Wildcats like to do, kind of get a pulse on basically who Kentucky is this season. You know, obviously the Wildcats have gone through a little bit of a coaching change. Offensively, they shifted offensive coordinators. They brought in a guy from the Los Angeles Rams, who obviously has been around that system, that scheme for a while, and has really kind of implemented some new wrinkles. But end of the day, this is still a the the typical Kentucky team you're used to seeing for the last nine years under Mark Stoops. A very physical team on both sides of the football, especially in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. And so I want to kind of run through some of my observations on what I've seen from Kentucky. Um, I had a chance to watch two of their games very closely, uh, th- those being the two SEC East games against Missouri and against South Carolina. Didn't see quite as much of their other two games against ULM and UT Chattanooga outside of kind of highlights. Um, but I think you, you see enough against the SEC type teams that you have an idea what Florida will kind of be looking at going into this game. So let's go ahead and get into it. First of all, Kentucky's offense, I think, executes very, very well for the most part. You see they're built very much around the power running game. They've got two very, very high-quality SEC running backs in Chris Rodriguez, who currently leads the SEC in rushing with over 500 yards, and then Kivassier Smoke, who's a guy that I think has piled up something like 120-plus yards against Florida in the last two meetings and certainly has had his share of success here and there in the run game. Two very, very good backs. I think the thing that stands out most about Rodriguez is he has incredible vision in between the tackles. You know, the one thing you see on tape when you flip on Kentucky, their O-line is very, very good, but they don't necessarily generate huge, huge push, huge movement up front in the run game. In fact, they're a lot like Florida's so far this season in that they can do that from time to time, but more often than not, what they're trying to do in the run game is really try to out-leverage you, particularly on the outside. If you look at Kentucky's runs to the outside, especially on that left side of the line of scrimmage, they're very, very, very good about getting defensive linemen where they can turn their shoulders, kind of pin them into one gap, and then all of a sudden you've got a crease for the back to come through. They use pulling tight ends across the formation to kind of seal the outside. A lot of the similar concepts that you see in Florida's run game, and part of the reason that Florida's run game took such a big step forward this fall is because the linemen started getting more comfortable kind of understanding what it means to turn a defensive lineman at your spot in the play, you know, kind of create that outside or inside wall and then allow the back to flow through behind you. Again, a lot of pulling motion. 
Um, but you also see Kentucky do a lot of the same things that Florida does in terms of working double teams at the first level. You know, to double team a defensive lineman, kind of like I said, get his shoulders turned with with the force of the double team, and then slip that you know extra lineman off to the linebacker level. Kentucky's been very very good at that. So this is going to be a game where Florida's front four really has to step up and play very physically stout at the point of attack. I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail going forward, especially with you know some of the guys I think Florida really needs to kind of coach that up on. You know, Javon Dexter being one of those guys, as effective as he's been, I think one of his biggest areas of growth has been getting used to kind of playing stout and square at the line of scrimmage rather than necessarily trying to get penetration. Force your way upfield, but all of a sudden you get your shoulders turned and then you're kind of out of this position you want to be. They have the crease and the back slips by you. Kentucky, really, really good at that. And again, I want to emphasize the Wildcats are extremely good at doing that on the left side of the offensive line. That's where they brought in a transfer to kind of help things, shore things up. A senior guy, uh, Dare Rosenthal, I think I'm saying his first name right, not positive, but he's a transfer out there at left tackle who's been really, really good. And I think for Florida in this game, what you'll probably see is you'll see the Gators really relying on Zach Carter a lot, uh, which will be on the right side of Florida's defensive line to kind of go against that left tackle. And what you'd hope to do is throw them enough off their game on that side and the way you do that is by Zach Carter kind of being able to blow through a block of a guy that Kentucky is really counting on to be able to execute. I mean, Zach Carter's been able to do that throughout the course of the season. I think if you're Todd Grantham, you're looking at that matchup and you say, hey, that's where it starts. You know, let's go ahead and put him over there, see what he can do against that left side of the line. And if he's having trouble, then we can shade him. But by and large, we're going to trust Zach to go out there and do his job. I think that's going to be a really, really key matchup on Saturday up in Lexington. As good as Kentucky's O-line is run blocking, and again, I go back to, again, I think it's more about leveraging the right way more so than just straight up power. Not to say that Kentucky doesn't have some offensive linemen that can really hold their own, but I think when you took, you look about you know physical power, you talk about the physical power of those actual individual linemen up front, probably I'm not as, pressed, as impressed as maybe you might think. And the reason I say that is, again, I don't think they generate a ton of straight up movement. And that shows up really in the pass blocking to me. I, I think, you know, South Carolina's defensive line uh, going against them last week had been pretty maligned through the early parts of the season. Going against Kentucky, I thought they had some success. And I thought they really were able to push the pocket. You know, it wasn't just necessarily one or two guys. Really, South Carolina was able to push the pocket against Kentucky's own line. The Wildcats have had a couple guys on the O-line. Kind of dinged up, very similar to Florida. Not not major injuries where guys have had to leave. Uh, but you look at Kenneth Horsey out at left guard. I know he was banged up against Missouri. Uh, left for a player two against South Carolina. There's some other guys. Uh, Darian Kennard, I think, checked out of that um, South Carolina game at one point. I think for cramps. But again, the kind of issues where you see guys kind of shuffling in and out. You wonder you know, how those guys are starting to hold up as you get into the heart of SEC season. And I think when you're able to see that kind of movement, pushing the pocket with with a uniform set of four linemen rather than just kind of one guy being the guy, you feel like you have some chance to have success on the pass rush. And so I think that's an area that Florida, if they can force Kentucky into those spots where the Wildcats really need to rely on the pass, aka creating third and longs in some, some unfavorable down and distance situations, I think Florida can have a lot of success. Now, Having said that, you have to be really, really sound against this Kentucky team because the quarterback transfer that they brought in from Penn State, Will Levis, 
is very capable as a runner. Now, he's not what you would probably consider a typical dual threat guy. I'm not sure I'd put that label on him. But he's a guy that can run, is not afraid to run. And I think most importantly that you need to be aware of when you're Florida, he's going to try to finish runs. You know, he, he's very much a kind of power runner. We were able to talk to Florida defensive tackle Antonio Valentino this week, who played with Will Levis at Penn State. Talked to Justin Shorter, same thing. Both of those guys were former teammates with Will Levis. And they reiterated that, that he's not going to try to go down. He's going to try to run through you. He's going to try to pick up extra yardage. So especially when you're pushing the pocket, you need to be aware that just because a first guy has an arm on him doesn't mean the play is over. You really need to collapse onto the ball. I know that's something that Dan Mullen has stressed to the defense throughout the week. Got to get 11 hats running to the football. And I think that's not just when you talk about Will Levis and, and potentially bringing him down in the pocket, but it's also talking about Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke. I mean, those running backs, they're very, very physical guys that you're going to have to get hats to the football multiple guys wrapping up. And I think there's there's some advantages you can take away from that if you're able to do it. I think Kentucky's been a little loose with the football. You know, those backs put the put the ball on the turf quite a bit against South Carolina. So you've got a chance. You just need to be aware of kind of the, the threats. I think one thing we've seen a lot from Kentucky, they are going to be based on the tight ends, right? The, a lot of two tight end sets we saw against South Carolina a lot of three tight end sets where Kentucky really rolled three tight ends in, would would frequently put two on one side of the line, one on the other, kind of motion the third across to create, again, those leverages that we're talking about on the outside. So I think this is a game where Florida's defense is going to need the more physical players, especially at linebacker. I think Florida can win up front with their front four like more often than not. I think that Florida will be able to stand up to Kentucky's O-line and kind of keep things in check. The, the the key for Florida is going to be that you don't allow Kentucky to get linemen to the linebacker level. That way, every now and then, Kentucky can break a play that goes into the secondary for big yardage. That's where they're going to be dangerous. That's where Florida has to really be on point. And I think this is a game where you probably want to see a little bit less Amari Bernie, who's a guy that has consistently shown he struggles to fight through blocks, struggles to kind of aggressively go downhill and engage an offensive tackle, uh, an offensive guard that's getting to him at the second level, and, and really try to force the issue. This is a game where you need guys like Jeremiah Moon playing a ton of snaps. He's been very, very aggressive coming downhill, taking on blocks, and, and really slamming into the front to kind of set that tone, right? And unfortunately for Florida, this is a game where you're going to miss Ventrell Miller a lot. Um, and I think you don't have to go back further than that 2018 game to see what you can have go wrong when you have a linebacker not playing well, right? David Reese was missing from that Kentucky game with the early season ankle sprain. Florida had two tackles inside and Tadaryl Slayton and Elijah Conliffe in that game that they, you know, again, early in Dan Mullen's tenure, it was only the second game. So they weren't quite sure, saw a lot of athletic potential in those guys, but those guys did not do a good job. Like we're talking about keeping square against the line of scrimmage. And then behind them, they had lost David Reese, who was the veteran linebacker and Kentucky ran all over Florida. So that's what you can't have happen. I don't think that'll be an issue for Florida's front four. I really think they're going to be able to be okay there. It's the linebackers that I'm concerned with. And I mentioned Amari Bernie. Uh, Mamou Diabate is another guy that I think has clearly been a cut above Bernie, but he still from time to time will struggle physically. You know, we saw him miss a couple tackles early in that second half against Tennessee uh, with some similar runners, you know, guys that can can break free from some contact and, and make things happen. So 
this is a game where the linebackers really got to play above their potential, I think. And unfortunately, Ventrell Miller is going to be missed. But I think this is a game where you want to see a lot of Jeremiah Moon. You want to see a lot of Mahmoud Diabate. You probably don't want to see a whole lot of three linebacker looks. Florida really hadn't done that a whole lot this year. So probably not an issue. But Tyron Hopper, you know, a guy that I think physically he's the kind of guy you want in this game. He's going to have to be very disciplined, kind of not stepping to the line of scrimmage too quick and jumping out of his gap because Kentucky will absolutely take advantage of that. Now, on to the Kentucky passing game. So, Will Levis, obviously very physical in the pocket, but he's also got a pretty decisive command of the offense for a guy that is working in the first year of this Kentucky scheme. He, I think, is very, very comfortable throwing over the middle, which a lot of times, you know, quarterbacks, sometimes that's in college where you have to kind of grow and develop. You can see he's a veteran guy. He trusts himself throwing over the middle of the field. He's not afraid to take shots in tight windows. and you know, that leaves him prone to some interceptions here and there, but he's going to go ahead and sling it. And I, and I think you need to be aware of that if you're Florida in the secondary. To me, the key is going to be, can you get him in those tough situations where maybe you can take advantage of some of those small windows and can come away with a turnover? And Florida's defense hadn't been good at that. Only three takeaways so far this season. This is going to be kind of one of those situations where an immovable force uh, or movable force. I don't know. You know the point. Uh, you know, where two things that kind of something has to give right between Florida and their inability to kind of create takeaways through the first four games and Kentucky's penchant for turning it over. The Wildcats rank dead last in the country in turnover margin at minus nine. I've had a lot of trouble with fumbles, especially in key areas. They fumbled near their own goal line, uh, near the opponent's goal line. Um, and, and honestly, Kentucky's gotten away with some where they've gotten back on some of those fumbles where it could have been disaster. So I think. You know, Kentucky's results, obviously, they're 4-0, good team. Um, but I do think this is a team where if you can take away some of what they like to do in the run game, you're going to have the chance to, to turn this into what a lot of fans would like to see the Florida-Kentucky game be more regularly now. And that's a comfortable Florida win, right? Um, I, we'll talk more about that in the second half of the show, kind of how I see this game unfolding. Um, but going back to the Kentucky passing game, you know, Will Levis is very confident. And I think Kentucky does have some weapons. now. I don't know if they have the amount of weapons that uh, maybe Tennessee had last week. I thought Tennessee had a lot of speed at receiver. Problem for the Vols was they couldn't take advantage because they didn't have a quarterback that could get them the ball. Kentucky does, and Wandale Robinson, number one in the slot, is obviously the key guy to look out for. He's a transfer that came over from Nebraska, has done a really, really good job, very explosive guy. And I think the number one thing you see about Kentucky that is different from Florida's first four opponents they'll connect on their shots down the field. You know, the Wildcats are going to ride that play-action game, but they very much have the ability to routinely take advantage if you slip up and bust the coverage. Will Levis has been pretty good at that, and I think the difference is really that receiver, Wandale Robinson. He's the kind of guy that can win 50-50 balls down the field. He has the acceleration to catch up the passes, so he's a little bit more forgiving in that deep game, whereas, you know, Tennessee's quarterbacks kind of really errant, and they're, you know, to the point that their receivers couldn't catch up. Wandale Robinson can. He'll get under the ball. Will Levis knows how to put touch on it. Um, so it'll be a test for Florida secondary. Again, I think that test gets a whole lot easier if you're really forcing Kentucky into some tough down and distance situations. So to me, that's the key. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit long on this first segment because I'm going back through my observations and I haven't even touched on Kentucky's defense. So let's shift over to that side of the ball. I'm take a quick, uh, quick sip of water here because this solo thing is no joke. All right. Kentucky's defense. All right, I've got two guys circled. Josh Pascal, number four, coming off the edge. 
He's a guy that's kind of played that hybrid edge rusher, has played a little bit of kind of more of the free, free-roaming linebacker in the past. Very, very, very physical guy up front. He has the ability to beat an offensive tackle, also has the ability to drop in coverage. And I think that's one thing. If you watch Kentucky against Missouri, I can see some ways defensively that they could catch Florida napping a little bit. And I think, uh, so in the Missouri game, what Kentucky did, they mixed their fronts a lot between three and four down linemen. And then they kind of dialed up the pressure every here and there. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of pressure, but when they did bring it, they'd bring five, six guys and really kind of put the pressure on you. And then on the flip side, you know, they would obviously have a lot of downs where they had four down linemen, kind of trust them to go against Connor Bazalak in that Missouri offense. And I think what you saw is Kentucky kind of drop more guys in coverage against Missouri. Last week against South Carolina, we didn't see that as much. And I think the the difference there is Kentucky, in my opinion, respected Connor Bazalak as a passer more and wanted to keep everything in front of them. They didn't want to give him the deep ball. They didn't want to give him um, favorable matchups in the secondary. They much preferred to try to let Missouri beat them on the ground if they did. And you saw Missouri have to resort to a lot of the short screen game where Kentucky's defense was pretty good coming up and making tackles. They're very, very sound. Under Mark Stoops, you see that they have a, a very clear identity. Uh, really, at every level of the defense, you've got pretty good tacklers. I don't really see tackling being a huge issue with this Kentucky team. But, you know, uh, I think Josh Pascal is a guy that if you're looking for, you know, high-level SEC difference makers, he's one of the guys you circle. Need to be aware of him on the pass rush. And then Emory Jones really needs to do a good job if Florida's trying to leak out tight ends you know, on some of those misdirections that they do, some of the looks that you saw against Alabama, they need to be aware that Josh Pascal is a guy that can drop back into some zone coverage. And so um, Emory Jones needs to know where he's at at all times. The other guy that I think stands out really on Kentucky's defense is linebacker DeAndre Square. He's number five. He's a guy that is extremely, extremely physical, very instinctive linebacker against the run. I think this is going to be a fantastic matchup. You know, if Florida can continue to get locked up at the the line of scrimmage, you're going to see a terrific one-on-one matchup between DeAndre Square and Florida's running backs. And Florida's backs, to their credit this year, have made a lot of linebackers miss. That's kind of the the bread and butter for Florida's run game. You get hats on a hat, and uh, in you get your blockers out in front, you get the guys covered up that you need to, and you leave the running back with either one linebacker or one safety, one secondary player to make miss. They've been able to do that for the most part. And so that's going to be a good one-on matchup this week against Kentucky. I mean, DeAndre Square is a very physical guy, very instinctive, comes downhill fast. Um, so we'll see how well Florida can get to him. I would imagine that as they work those double teams, he's the guy you want to have doubled. And obviously the formation and the play itself dictate that a lot. But he's a guy you want to make sure he, you know where he is. You're getting him blocked because he's very, very good. Um, as I mentioned, Kentucky is a very, very good tackling team, I think. I really don't see a whole lot of missed tackles from them. There are some individual guys that I think you can target, um, but you know I, I think for the most part, this is a team that's going to play very sound football, and so uh, this is not a game where Florida's offense can really afford to make a lot of mistakes. I think this is the kind of game where if you're making mistakes, Kentucky is good enough and they're sound enough to really take advantage. One other guy I think uh, that could play a big factor in this game is McCall. He's number 50, the defensive tackle up front. On the defensive line, he is a huge, huge guy. And so when you talk about working those double teams, if he's able to win some of those early, like right off the snap matchups against Florida, that could potentially be an issue in the run game. So that's one to watch very early in the game, first quarter, see how Florida's doing against him. Um, If they're not doing well, Florida may have to change some things up schematically in terms of what they want to do. That or the pressure on Emory Jones gets significantly 
more intense as the game goes on. Um, but other notes on Kentucky that I'm looking at, uh, I do think they're vulnerable to some tempo. And I actually think that happens more on the ground than against the pass. I think the secondary, very, very, very savvy, very veteran. You're looking back there, you know, uh, three seniors, two of them are redshirt seniors at safety. I do think number 14 at cornerback, Carrington Valentine, is, is probably the guy you want to t- try to target in the passing game. If you can isolate him, you know, run some route concepts such that he's carrying across the field or he's the guy that you're stressing, I think you'll be able to take advantage of him. But otherwise, you know, Kentucky looks very stout in the secondary. They're, they're very good. So I think um, if you can get the ground game going, I think you want to get up there and snap it pretty quickly. That's, that tends to be, I think, especially where South Carolina had the most success against Kentucky late in the game. They were getting up to the line of scrimmage before Kentucky could really get set. I think when you let this Kentucky defense get set, let them get a look at what you're trying to do, uh, you see the, the Mark Stoops impact, that they're very veteran, they're very well coached, they know X's and O's, kind of what they're supposed to do. And so the only way you can really get them out of that is to kind of get a big gain on first down or you know a chunk yardage on first, second down, get up to the, the line of scrimmage quickly, snap the football. That's what you want to do. Florida's been able to do that some, though they haven't really tried to. So we'll see if the Gators are able to do that. But those are my initial observations of the Kentucky offense and defense. Let's go ahead and take a quick break because I know I'm already 20 minutes in. Did not expect to go that long. We'll take a quick commercial break, and I'll be right back on the other side, breaking down my keys to the game, some predictions, and a look at the spread and the over-under for Florida-Kentucky on Saturday. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. Here breaking down the Florida versus Kentucky game, which will take place on Saturday night in Lexington, Kentucky, a place that has been kind of tough for Florida to play these last several years. Let's look at some keys to the game. I think first off, how Kentucky starts this game defensively will tell us a lot about what kind of game it's going to be. I mentioned that I think they played things a little bit differently versus Missouri and South Carolina. And the biggest difference was Kentucky, I thought, very much kind of dropped back into coverage more against Missouri against a quarterback in Connor Basilak that, in my opinion, um, they kind of tipped their their hat to and said, hey, we respect you going deep. If you're going to beat us, you got to beat us on the ground. We're not going to let anything over the top. We're not going to give you the deep passing game. We're going to take that away. And so I thought what you saw against Missouri in that game was that Missouri had a lot of underneath stuff to work with, you know, a lot of underneath over the middle throws, a lot of perimeter screen game, which in Kentucky's, to Kentucky's credit, they came up and tackled very, very well on. Uh, and really made it difficult for Missouri. On the flip side, 
I thought against South Carolina, the Wildcats were a little bit more aggressive. They kind of stepped a little bit closer to the line all the way across the board because I think they didn't really respect South Carolina quarterback Luke Doty quite as much. If I had to guess, we're probably going to see more similar to the South Carolina approach than the Kentucky approach, just because I'm not sure Emory Jones has shown quite enough. Now, I do think there is the potential that Kentucky starts one way and shifts the other way, and that's why I think it's important to see how they come out. And I think Florida will have a plan for kind of both looks, whether or not Florida's putting it on Emory or putting it on the run game. Um, I will say I would get pretty nervous in terms of like keys to the game. I'd get pretty nervous if Kentucky feels like it doesn't have to crowd the box because to me that, again, is putting it on Emory Jones. And if Florida can't take advantage of a non-crowded box with the run game, that's going to be a real problem. Now, I think Florida will be able to do that. I think they've executed against everybody they've played so far. And as good as Kentucky is tackling, as good as Josh Pascal is, as good as DeAndre Square is at the linebacker level, I do think Florida is just executing at a higher level. And I also think Florida is probably more physical than Kentucky at this point. So the only way I get nervous is if Florida's run game, you know, kind of is not working. You know, that's going to be a big problem. Um, Kentucky's secondary is very solid, doesn't miss many assignments. So this would be a big test of Emory Jones on the, on the situations where he has to throw. And again, if you're Kentucky and can force that to happen more often, it's a win for you. So Florida getting the ground game going is absolutely imperative, probably the biggest key to this game. Having said that, playing on the road in Lexington, there's a couple other things that need to happen. Number one, you can't lose the turnover battle, right? Kentucky has been in a lot of close games because of turnovers. They're minus nine, worst in the country in turnover margin. Running backs are putting the ball on the turf. Will Levis has thrown a couple interceptions. And to be quite frank, as good as the Kentucky defense is in terms of being schematically sound, they haven't forced a whole lot of takeaways. You know, a couple interceptions here or there off tip balls, that kind of thing, but not overly aggressive in the sense that um, their pass rush is constantly getting home. Opponents are having a panic and throw balls up in the secondary. I don't really see that with Kentucky. You know, so they're very sound, but not necessarily a unit that's going to take the ball away from you. So as long as the turnovers hold with kind of what both teams has shown so far, Florida will be fine. You know, this this would be a situation where Kentucky has to really flip the script from what they've done in the first four weeks of the season versus what Florida's done to make turnovers an issue. But as long as Florida's even uh, plus one or two in the turnover margin, I don't see this game really being that much of a concern. Now, I do think Florida's defensive front four has to win. You know, similar to Florida's ground game needing to establish itself, I don't think Kentucky can win this game unless it's able to establish the run game. And I talked about what that would look like for Kentucky, right? They try to really work you in terms of leverage on the edge. They're going to run two and three tight end sets. If they continue that against Florida, it's going to really come down to discipline up front. The defensive linemen cannot afford to get their shoulders turned. They need to stay very square to the line of scrimmage. And then the linebackers need to be A, both patient, and B, they need to be aggressive and physical when actually taking on blocks. So there is kind of a, a twofold thing there. And it almost sounds counterintuitive, but basically on the snap, the biggest the biggest thing you can do to put yourself at a disadvantage if you're Kentucky is by immediately attacking downhill as a linebacker. Because what that does is that ruins your spacing between the D-line and the linebacker level. And that's exactly what Kentucky takes advantage of, right? That's exactly how you create leverage. So what you want to see Florida's linebackers do in this game is initially right off the snap, you want to see them kind of clear their cleats. And basically when you hear that phrase, what I'm talking about is 
when the ball is snapped, as Kentucky's quarterback drops back, or you know, if he's in the shotgun, pistol look, whatever it may be, as you see him take the snap, you almost go to like this silent count in your head where you're essentially running in place. You're keeping your feet moving so that you can move in any direction very quickly, but you're basically giving the play a half second, a second to develop to see where those linemen are going, see where the poles are setting up. And then it's a it's gotta be a very quick switch that flips. You know, as soon as you see that kind of development. And you see, a, you know, if, if, a, if a lineman gets off his block at the first level and is coming towards you, you can't afford to sit back on your heels. And that's what we see a little bit too much of, in my opinion, with Mari Bernie. I don't think it's quite as much an issue with uh, Diabate. I just think he still needs some physical development in the weight room, putting on some weight to be able to handle that at the linebacker level on a routine basis. But you've got to attack those blocks, you know, because even if you don't necessarily drive them backwards, what you can do is you can clog up the space. You can allow trading. You can allow Rashad Torrance. You can allow the nickelback to slide in, kind of help close things down. And if you're keeping things to, you know, two, three, four yards rather than something that gets creased and all of a sudden they're into the safety level, again, I think you can force Kentucky into some passing situations. I really don't envision this being a huge problem for Florida. You know, Kentucky's a good enough team that they're going to have some of these plays hit. You know, they're going to have some of these runs that go for 10, 12, 15 yards into the secondary. It's going to happen. They execute well enough that they're going to hit some of those. But I don't see it being a consistent issue where you're seeing that happen a lot. You know, I, I think that's once every now and then you'll have Florida make a mistake. So I really do see Florida being able to kind of control this game in the line of scrimmage. I mean, when I flip on the tape of Kentucky, yes, they're very well coached. They get to the right spots, but I don't see them physically overwhelming many teams just yet. So Maybe that changes on Saturday. You know, they're 4-0. They'll be playing at home in front of a rowdy crowd. As always, I think getting off to an early start is key. As always, avoiding an early turnover to give them more momentum, give them an extra possession, potentially get a lead early. Those kind of things are always key when you go on the road. But honestly, I'm not overly concerned about this game from the Florida standpoint. I think Florida wins in the trenches, personally. I think, again, the only real equalizers are the crowd and turnovers. Now, as far as the spread, before I wrap up here, I'll go ahead and kind of touch on this. Florida's an eight-point favorite. I like Florida to cover, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that spread's a little bit low. I think, again, when you talk about the matchups and kind of what has to happen for Kentucky to win this game, there's a lot more boxes that you have to check off than for Florida. You know, Florida's boxes are pretty simple. Um, Emory Jones can't have a huge reversion to kind of the first two games. The ground game, if it gets established, you're good. And then up front, as long as you're not getting routinely gashed by Kentucky, and, and that's on the front four, it's on the linebackers, we've talked about it a lot. As long as those three things happen, I think you're good for Florida. And honestly, I think you cover in this game. Now, as far as the over-under, that's set at 55 points in Vegas right now. So baseline with a, an eight-point spread, you're, you're looking at something like, uh, what is that, 31 to 24, roughly, uh, somewhere in that range. And that's basically kind of your baseline if you think it's going to be Higher scoring than that, you know, with a Florida win, uh, maybe you bet uh, Florida to cover and you take the over. Uh, I think, I don't know what I'd do on the over-under. And, and again, let me caveat this. None of this is betting advice at all. We just talk about it because, you know, people like to talk about it. But uh, I'm pretty bad picking against the spread. I'm pretty bad picking the over-under. Uh, I forget my exact record. You'll be able to check it out on Swamp 24-7 tomorrow when our predictions piece drops on Friday. I've been tracking all that for both myself for Blake Alderman and for um, our coworker Bob Redman. So we'll have all that. We'll make our official picks there. For now, I'll just say I like Florida to cover. I'm not exactly sure whether the over-under hits. I think a lot of that depends on 
uh, really kind of explosive plays. You know, if, if there's more explosive plays both ways for both teams than I expect, I think you could hit the over. But really, I think Vegas is kind of right on with 55 points. That sounds about right to me um, because I could easily see Florida scoring in the 40s and Kentucky being held, um, you know, somewhere in the you know mid-teens, 20s. Like, I, I could easily see that just as well as, you know, Florida winning kind of a lower scoring game pretty comfortably. So in my opinion, this is a pretty relatively safe win for Florida this weekend. I think you avoid kind of the obvious mistakes. Florida's a better team than Kentucky. Um, I know that people are high on the Wildcats. I know they started 4-0. But to be honest with you, when I look at it, you know, going through their two SEC games, I don't think I don't see anything that Florida should be scared of. So those are my expectations for, for Saturday's game up in Lexington. Game kicks off at six o'clock. We'll we'll get a real look at what Florida's got, and I think we're we're gonna find a lot about how locked in this team is mentally, uh, from the standpoint of, you know, this game has been tough over the last several years, and and certainly I think the Gators are expecting another tough game. But if they come out and take care of business, this is a game they should win relatively comfortably. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp Twenty Four Seven Podcast, guys. Hopefully, I was able to entertain you solo. Uh, hope to have Blake back on Sunday. I don't think he should be traveling. Um, unfortunately, due to the setup of press conferences, interviews, postgame, and all that, with everything being on Zoom for the road in the SEC this year, I'm not going to travel up to Kentucky. I, we don't feel like there's a whole lot that we get uh, to justify spending you know, what it would take on flights and hotels and all that. So I'll be covering from home, which means the, the preview show should be out, or sorry, the, the recap show should be out normal time, Sunday morning, kind of mid-afternoon. Somewhere in that time frame, and we'll be breaking down everything that happened in the Florida-Kentucky game. So anyway, guys, appreciate you tuning in. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a favorable review if you're listening on a podcast platform. And if you like the show being on YouTube, make sure to hit like on the video so it spreads to more people. And then hit subscribe on the channel, and that'll allow you to get instant notifications whenever we upload a new video. That'll do it for me today, guys, for the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons, and now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus.